pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. scores. scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. But you don't want to hear about that. It's bloody grand final week. Rabbitohs fans are buzzing. Panthers fans are a mixture of nerves and excitement. And to cover the ins and outs of the game, I'm joined by Daniel Friend, Kieran Gibson, and Miles Stedman. Who will win and why? Stick around to find out. Welcome to Grand Final Week. We have the full panel here today, which of course includes Kieran Gibson. Kieran, there's uh, a little bit of controversy that we will probably touch on a little bit, but you've got tickets to the Grand Final, which is meant to be in Brisbane this Sunday, but uh, mm-hmm. some alarming news today that, that it might not be happening in Brisbane. Yeah, um, there's been a, a small COVID outbreak that we've managed to avoid all the way up until now, and uh, I thought... There was actually a small chance we might not get a, another COVID outbreak just because we've been doing so well. And then sure enough, grand final week's here and there's been a, an outbreak. But hopefully everything stays uh, under wraps and uh, I get to go. Yes, hopefully for that too. Uh, they do have some contingency plans, which we will discuss shortly. Miles Stedman, you've just returned from the beach. How's the weather down there at the moment? Uh, it's not bad. It's cold, but um, hopefully it is a little bit warmer for what will hopefully be a very successful and very full grand final on the weekend in brisbane yes indeed and we also have daniel friend here a friend indeed who managed to pick the absolute hell out of that saturday game like a nose saying that the penrith (laughs) penrith panthers would be uh battle hardened and and that they were uh the storm a bit rusty and and they got the job done so hats off to you friendy you're the only one that got a full round of tips correct this week Thanks, Bo. Hello, guys. I'm very excited to be here. Maybe not as excited as Cameron Munster and Brandon Smith, but <laughs> nevertheless, um, ready to go for grand final week. Speaking of noses, yeah, they <laughs> they got themselves into some trouble. Uh, let's talk about bold predictions. Mine was that the seagulls Rabbitohs game would uh, have over 40 points and that the Storm and Panthers game would be under 40. In hindsight, maybe not the boldest of predictions, but it did come up, so I'm happy with that one. Miles, yours was that uh, Turbo would score the game-winning try from inside his own half. Now, of course, the Rabbitohs won quite comfortably, so that did not come to fruition for you. Yeah, less said about that one, the better. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Kieran, <laughs> Kieran Gibson, uh, you said that neither prelim winner would win by more than 10 points. Unfortunately for you, the Seagulls, uh, a bit of a late fight back, but a bit too late. Yeah, a little unlucky with a couple of uh, disallowed tries as well that could have uh, bridged the gap and, and got me my bold. But uh, yeah, not to be this week. And Frenda, you of course had the, the perfect round, but uh, your bold was that South and Penrith would both win, which is correct, but that uh, the dummy halves, Cook and Coruscant, would score. I don't think even any surrogate dummy halves scored for the Panthers, so that one didn't come up at all. No, not quite. O- almost half a bold, but yeah, um, not correct. And we'll, we'll go again, try and pick one for the grand final, last one for the year. Indeed. Uh, what do we learn from the preliminary finals, guys? Miles, you can start us off. Uh, what's what's your learnings this week? Well, my learning is that, um, you know, we, we talk about what a good job the Panthers have done with uh, their roster and their tyranny organisation. And um, 
that's undoubtedly true. But I think the Rabbitohs deserve some some credit for that as well. I mean, you look at the team they're rolling out. Uh, I think the big story is obviously Blake Taff, who has sort of come from the clouds to take that fullback spot and do, um, I think, quite a good job of it. Uh, he's not been brilliant, but he's done a pretty good job. But just some of the other guys in this team, you know, Cody Walker, who was cast aside by the, the Storm of all organisations, Dan Gagai, who you know, maybe it wasn't the best signing, but they've still managed to make it work. Mark Nichols, he was cast aside as well. He's in the cheap. Uh, Damian Cook been through a number of teams before he came to the Rabbitohs, mm-hmm. so he was he came in on the cheap as well. Um, and then there's some other guys from um, other junior organisations that uh, didn't crack on with those first grade teams, like uh, Tavita Totola, who was I, th- I believe a, a Tigers or an Eels junior, one of those. Um, and Kaloa Matangi was a, a Bulldogs junior. Um, Jaden Sewer, of course. Had, uh, well, actually, of course, uh, ended up playing for the Broncos, but uh, didn't play that many games before he moved on to the Rabbitohs. So, look, they've done some great work, the Rabbitohs. Uh, Shane Richardson, their general manager, largely put this team together. He's since moved on now, but um, his, his uh, handprints are still all over this team from the bench. Benji Marshall, what a, what a signing that's been. I do remember a couple of years ago, you were glowing about the roster of the Rabbitohs. You are a bit of a roster nerd, Miles Stedman, and uh, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you talk glowingly about it today. Kieran, what did you learn last week? Um, I've got following on from the Dalyams. Whilst Tom Trebojevic won before the last round even had to be announced, uh, I still believe Cleary can lay argument to the throne of best in the NRL. Um, whilst I have mentioned this before, uh, I thought it uh, was viable to mention again as he toppled the storm with an astute kicking game that can tear apart any team on its own. And I just I think the the most impressive part was that he didn't try to overplay his hand despite the slender lead the Panthers had when he would have been keen to extend that. Um, and ease the nerves of of his side. I think Sunday's game's his to rule. Yeah, as as Friendy said last week before the Storm game, it's Nathan's time, and uh, it may well be indeed. Uh, Daliam unfortunately not coming his way, but uh, yeah, it may well be his time. Speaking of Friendy, what did you learn last week? Well, I'm going to follow on from Kieran and stick with the Nathan Cleary theme, and I learnt that Nathan. Not only is he very consistent and mature for his age, he's got two big boulders between his legs um, because he's, <laughs> he's got some balls, I'll tell you that. That play, uh, there were two plays in the game, and mind you, he's doing this all with that bung shoulder, which everyone's forgotten about because mm. he's he's playing so tough that yeah, no one really noticed. Um, but yeah, that play from dummy half, kick across on the fourth tackle to the unmarked winger in a preliminary final, and it was the first, what, five minutes of the game, 10 minutes of the game. Um, Incredible stuff to have the courage to do that. But there was also one later on where um, at the very end of the game and they were right down the other end, had the ball and they had the possibility to potentially um, force a repeat set, which Nathan could have kicked it, but he also could have kicked the ball dead if he stuffed it up under fatigue or, and that would have given Melbourne a seven tackle set. So instead of that, he he just took, took his licks and took the tackle, um, got a bit beat up, but it, pinned the storm down right down in their end and um ultimately that led to to penrith being able to defend and and win the game i'm just going to tag on the back of that there there was a that's a that's a good moment to point out the the flashy one is obviously the first one you mentioned the second one maybe less noticed but that composure which was missing in last year's grand final they were chasing points early against the storm and and that lack of composure forced that big cutout pass at vunavalu intercepted and ran away with and that was very uncleary like and he showed that composure 
on Saturday, whereas his probably his truest counterpart in Cameron Munster did not have that composure. That that chip kick that went dead for miles. It just it really stood out, didn't it? Like it was it was you know it was an obvious sign that the storm were rattled and and Cleary was pretty happy to stay composed and do the tough stuff. So uh, a very good sign for the Panthers heading into the the GF. Also a good sign. Uh, not for the Panthers this time, it's for the Rabbitohs, is that I learned that Jackson Paulo doesn't mind a cheeky moonwalk to score his tries occasionally. Uh, so he can score them forwards or backwards, which is very, very handy to have. Uh, in any ordinary week, it would have earned him a wildcard award from me, the, the Michael Jackson Paulo award. Um, for moonwalk. <laughs> but uh, the other one I simply could not resist using. So I'll get to that in just a moment. But I'll let you go first, Kieran. What is your wildcard award this week? Uh, this one didn't get a go at the Daly M's last night, but I've got the, the Daly M Defensive Team of the Year Award, which goes to the Panthers with mm. another exhibition of defensive resolve against what was all season a blistering Melbourne attack. And it was by and large thanks to a new shutout of the Storm on Saturday, as they notched up at least four try savers from memory that all could have easily been scored on another day. Yeah, that, that particularly that there was one that I remember of uh, of Justin Ollum, I think from a pass from Pappenhausen, yeah. and just like how do they stop that man? Seriously, I think it was Crichton that got in Crichton. front of him. Yep, uh, yeah. just a, a wonder. And obviously there was someone around the legs as well, but um, yeah, Crichton, excellent effort and ha- like the centre of the year, Justin Ollum. How do you stop him? Uh, well, they found a way, um, and yes, they very much deserve that award. Miles Stedman, what is your wildcard award this week? Well, my wildcard award is Played Again Benji Award, mm. um, who uh, recently announced that he might be eager to play on again in 2022. We were almost certain that this was going to be his last season. Um, I think it even factored into the Tigers uh, releasing him uh, last year. Was it last year or the year before that? I think um, last either year. Way. Yeah. Either way, he, he might be playing on again. And look... I think with what a good signing he's been this year, and I, I know he's another year older and you're never quite sure when they're going to drop off the cliff, but who's to say that one of those teams in the top four don't sign him? I mean, it's been an absolute masterstroke for the Rabbitohs. They throw him on sort of whenever they want. He causes a little bit of chaos. He's uh, an experienced backup to, uh, uh, I mean, this this year he's, he's replaced both Walker and Reynolds at, at certain times. So I, I, if I was a team that was... Uh, looking to put together a grand final winning campaign next season, I would take a long, hard look at Benji for a backup half spot. Is there no chance the Rabbitohs are going to keep him? Has that been... Oh, no, I'm not ruling that out, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, because wouldn't that be a a great option to help Blake Tarth? Because Blake Tarth's the anointed halfback for next year, or it seems likely. Um, There was also uh, your former... um, Alumni, I suppose, the the young fellow that came through that <laughs> season. Um, what what better teacher than Benji Marshall to help those guys along? Absolutely. I mean, it, depending on the price, I reckon you absolutely try and keep him at Redfern if you can. But I'm not exactly sure what the real guts of their books look like. So that's obviously what it'll all depend on. Mm, indeed. Friendy, uh, we spoke off air. We've got very similar awards. I'll let you go first. What <laughs> What is your wildcard award this week? My wildcard award this week, Bo, is the Did He Just Have a Stroke Award? Uh, and it goes to Peter Volandis, who had, I think, the best blooper I've ever seen at the Dally M's. And there's been a few. Um, we had Benji Barber the other year. And, yeah, it seems to be the CEO or chairman or whoever's in charge of the game. They, they don't know anyone's name. And Peter Volandis has somehow announced Josh Alloyer as 
Oshe Ole. And <laughs> I just, I, have, I didn't stop laughing all night. I thought it was the funniest thing <laughs> I've seen in a long time. Um, I did see a meme today for our Simpsons fans out there that it was very much like the um, when Kang and Kodos take over uh, Bill Clinton, sort of take over his body, and it was, mm. we must keep moving forward, not upward, sidewards. <laughs> and all this spinning, spinning, it was very much like that. Um, yeah, so well done, Peter Volandis, and I hope your health is all good. That's, uh, that's not, not really a good joke. Boy, I dreamed of being a football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, um, I too, have touched on the O'Shea Ole thing. Mine's are probably a bit more controversial, although you did suggest he had a stroke. Um, I, <laughs> so, like, prepare yourselves. Mine is the Aaron Molan Award for completely butchering non-Anglo names, which ironically goes to the non-Anglo Peter Volandis uh, for the O'Shea Ole thing. Um, fair play to him, though. Um, Josh... Aloye? Is that how we say it? Uh, I'm not exactly sure on the last name. How the heck did he stuff up the first name that badly, though? (laughs) That's the bit that gets me. It's like, has he gone with some sort of weird pig Latin cross with European pronunciation with Oshye instead of, like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's easy to see how someone like, you know... Aaron Molan, who comes from the hideously racist Jim Molan's ball sack, could engage in casual racism. <laughs> but I would have thought Volandis could have at least gotten close to getting it right, but alas, he did not. So he got just after that to back that up. He got Homole Olakoatu correct. Yeah, bang on. And <laughs> he got Josh wrong. Like, what, what's doing, Peter? Yeah, makes me think he must have been fucking it. Uh, maybe he got on the bags with... I saw Brandon Smith was there. Uh, maybe he got on the bags with Smithy <laughs> beforehand. Uh, but <laughs> maybe less said about that, the better. Allegedly. Uh, alleg- allegedly, of course. Uh, speaking of the Storm, uh, they have been bundled out of the competition. And as is our want, we, we like to do a little season review uh, of each of the teams as they exit. So that is the Storm and the Manly Seagulls this week now we'll start with the storm uh first of all miles what's one word that describes the storm season i think you've got to say solemn solemn well Mm. because of the exit well look i think they're look it's hard to say now because of what a good season it was otherwise but there was certain certainly a lot of um I think trepidation about how the storm would perform without Cameron Smith, where the leadership would come from and whatnot. Um, and it's probably been in that instance, more successful than you could ever have hoped for. But the exit, man, that was just an absolute killer. Yeah. It was the worst game they played all year. Um, Friendy, what's, what's your word? Along the same lines. It's botched. Mm. They, mm. they, they really should have won it really. Yeah. Um, yep. I set up for them and they botched it. I had Imperious because we haven't seen that kind of dominance from a team since the storm of 2017, maybe the Panthers last year, or even, as you mentioned last week, friendly, the Eels of 2001, they were unbelievable. Um, and they were Imperious until the preliminary final when it mattered probably the most all season. They were quite poor on that day. Kieran, what's the word that you've gone with? Yeah, I went similar with you, Bo. I, I found it a little tricky. I was almost going to go with a negative word because of how it ended, but I just couldn't. Um, so I went with conquering. Uh, I think when you look at what they did throughout the season, they record that um, 19 uh, win streak that I believe it was Roosters uh, had previously. Um, and they did it for, for a second season away from home. Um, whilst they looked tired in their exit game on Saturday, um, 
yeah, I, I couldn't go past conquering. Um, they were maybe a victim of their own success as well, not being as battle-hardened as other teams. Um, but yeah, a great season nonetheless. Uh, where it went wrong, a little hard to pinpoint um, when they affirmed themselves as and themselves as favourites for the competition in the first week of the finals. Mm-hmm. However, complacency, possibly due to a lack of being battle-hardened, seemed to creep in in their big, two biggest moments of the season. Uh, firstly, when they went to break the record for the longest winning streak in NRL history of turning a 19-game win streak into 20 when they lost to the Eels, and then they lost the preliminary final where they were maybe not heavy favourites, but they were definitely favourites to go through to the grand final. Um, I don't think too many really did give uh, Penrith, other than Friendy uh, and Panthers fans, too much of a chance. Um, And it would have seen them uh, have a crack at back-to-back premierships that I believe only the Roosters have done in the uh, NRL era. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a a big, big uh, opportunity gone. Um, I wouldn't put it past them getting back into that position again, but uh, yeah, they'll definitely be licking their wounds. Shining light, I just went for one um, and I had Brandon Smith in a, in a hotly contested field. Um, Olam, Remus Smith and Hughes were all immense as well, but it was Brandon Smith that most consistently churned top shelf performances for the Storm that make him a must-keep player. Um, and for future chances, I've got fingers crossed that they return to living and playing in Melbourne next year. I think that, that would be huge for their mental health. Um, I think last year it probably galvanised them a lot, but this year uh, it was probably just a little bit too much. I'm not saying that they would use that or that I use that as an excuse for them, but uh, it would be pretty tough to do that for that long. Um, they'll make the top four again for mine, um, and I do agree with the sentiment that a lot of uh, with a lot of pundits saying that they lack a real leader in their spine and someone that can rein Munster in so that he can be at his best. Well, that was the interesting thing. This time last year, or maybe a little bit later because the grand final was later last year, um, we were talking about Munster being possibly the best player in the game. Um, mm. You know, like Tedesco probably had that crown. Clear was challenging for it, and Munster very much so was, especially after State of Origin. Yeah, yeah I feel like that's kind of waning a little bit. He's still obviously, I'd say, a top three five eighth. Um, he's still absolutely a marquee player, and I wouldn't be surprised if a, if a new Brisbane team definitely targeted him as the marquee signing. But yeah, he he seems to have fallen away a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, in the first week of the finals against Manly, I thought, oh, okay, here's here's Munster again. He kicked a 40-20, had a couple of try assists, a line break. Uh, really looks like he was going to give this final series a red-hot crack. But I've said in the, in the chat before, um, a few weeks ago, actually not too long ago, probably a month ago, that I, I feel like Munster this season hasn't hit the heights that he would have wanted to. And I actually somewhat feel like that throughout the I know he's a big game player, but consistently, I just don't think he's where he needs to be still. And I'm not sure how old he is, but he's probably entering, getting close to entering his prime soon. So, yeah, his consistency is just lacking a little bit. Do you think uh, a preliminary final, I mean, obviously, they would have wanted to win the premiership. They were in the frame to do it. Do you think that they'd be happy enough with top four this year? No, no, I think... um Back-to-back was so huge, and they're such a competitive... It's the Melbourne Storm. I, I think that that um, says it all just about they're, they're the, the most competitive side in the NRL for mine. Um, yeah, I think they'll be quite disappointed with that exit and the coach that they've got, the, the standards that he uh, expects. Um, yeah, I think they'll be quite upset. I, I did see an image of uh, Pappenhausen in the sheds after the game with his head in his hands, and, yeah, a big, big missed opportunity. I think they were, yeah, as we've said, heavy favourites to win that game. 
they're going to be losing a couple of key players as well. Guys like Nico Hines, uh, guys like Delph and Nukin. Um, and it seems like they could be losing the likes of, say, Munster, Brandon Smith in coming years, depending on salary cap constraints. So, uh, you know, we keep saying that they're going to drop out of the top four eventually, but I think you're right about them probably being there next year. Uh, we might just riff on it just a little bit. Friendy, do you think... Um, do you think that Kieran's right in saying that it was maybe a touch of complacency and that lack of battle hardness that you pointed at in your prediction for last week's game? Uh, do you think that was what undid them in the end? Yeah, that and as I sort of stated last week as well, I think they got their bench wrong. They they were a middle short for mine on the bench. I, I couldn't see how they were going to go into that game without... Um, another middle or edge forward on the bench in place of Nico Hines. I know it's a it's a really terrible, tough thing to do to drop basically one of your best players all year, but um, it came to fruition with the two um, injuries or HIAs or with Welch and, and Brandon Smith and it threw out their rotation and guys like Kamakamitha and um, Nelson Osofa Solomona, yes, they're really good players, but that's basically 20 to 25 minutes off the bench that's not 40 to 50 minutes a game so it that's what undid them in the end so a bit of complacency just thinking they could do that again um and just basically an error from normally a flawless bellamy that was one thing that i found interesting miles was the fact that uh you know we expect bellamy to get it exactly right all the time but uh between friendy saying that it is possibly a tactical error you can't always plan for injuries but that's what the bench is there for really um were you were you surprised at how error riddled they were and how they just they, they weren't quite up for it i don't think on saturday yeah, I'm. I think that um, it's hard to look at a, a Craig Bellamy coach team and think of the word inexperienced, but they really are. I mean, apart from Cameron Smith, there's not a whole lot of big game runs on the board. Yes, they won the grand final last year, but that was you know they had every, almost everything go right for them that season. And of course, Cameron Smith solves um, nine out of ten problems that you have. You know, so I think um, maybe they were a, a touch naive going into the game. Maybe Craig Bellamy got a, a few things wrong in his his roster. Oh, sorry, his, his roster, his his lineup. Um, maybe the storm were just uh, maybe they just had a bad day. Maybe they, all those things combined to to go into losing that game. But uh, I think that they will be better for it. And these guys like Brandon Smith, um, like Ryan Pappenhausen, Jerome Hughes, and of course Cameron Munster, who needs to step up in a big way next season, um, as we've pointed out. I think they'll all be better for that loss. Um, but, you know, as we've touched on as well, you've got to strike when the iron's hot in this league and, and they're going to be losing Nico Hines. They're going to be losing Dalf Nukin. Um, I'm sure they'll, they will they might lose another before the season begins. Um, and and who knows who, who knows who is in then their last season of the Storm next year. So it's, it's a real... They had a really advantageous team this year and they didn't make the most of it, which is really disappointing. It's worth remembering they're also losing Josh Adokar, who's, um, you know, maybe possibly been usurped as the best winger in the game by Brian Toto this year, but Adokar's still very much in that conversation um, and has done it for a few years. So that's probably also quite a big loss for the Storm too. I know that we sometimes shit on wingers on this podcast, but but he is an important player as well, no question about it. Here's a bold prediction for you. I think they'll replace him with someone better next season. Xavier Coates. 
Haven't they done it in the past? Yes, probably. Corabetti, Unavalu. They yeah. almost always replace them with someone better. That's why he never pay wingers. Nick Meany. Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not true, yeah. Nick Meany, get him in there. He's going to be better than Adokar. You've heard, you've heard it here first on the Bar of the Horizontal. Nick Meany will be playing for Australia next year. Let's, uh, let's talk about the Oz tag. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the Manly Seagulls. They uh, they came from basically nowhere, really, uh, to drive themselves not in just just into the top eight, but into the top four, as it turned out, which was uh, very advantageous, uh, getting them into the preliminary final. And I think they got to exactly where they could. Um, my word to describe their season is well, it's it's a hyphenated word. It's turbocharged. No way. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Oh. Did you have the same one? Me too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was so clever. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. Me and Freddie have said turbo charge. Kieran, what's your word for the manly season? I've got courageous, but um, yeah, I know turbo being back was pivotal for them, but the way they turned things around so drastically, uh, it definitely took a lot of courage. It is worth remembering that they did start the streak, or at least the momentum, without Turbo. The week before he came back, they got a, a field goal victory with uh, Delhi Cherry Evans against the Warriors. Miles, what is your word to describe the season? I've gone with enjoyable. Ah, that's that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pray tell, uh, why was it enjoyable? Well, look, I, I don't think anybody... Um, expected this out of the the seagulls this season i think there were a lot of questions about whether or not their model worked going into the season and that model being um hoping tom drawovic stays healthy um <laughs> and it, it, look it, it worked for the most part um daily jerry evans of course was brilliant uh, kieran four and somehow managed to not fall to bits um, <laughs> they they got through not having a a real hooker and, and hooking by committee and um, the young forward pack, of course, p- played out of their skin. So um, they there was a lot that went right for them, and I think you just got to enjoy that sometimes and, and not try and um, pick it apart too much. So I know Seagulls fans certainly did. Um, but that said, there are a lot of positions to improve on it. As I said, hooker, um, they got to find a hooker for next season. I don't know, you know, whether you uh, sign one, you you create one, you find one in the Super League, you turn a full back into a I don't care what you do you gotta you, you have to find a, a full-time hooker if you want to go to that next level you look at the other um the other clubs that are uh or the, that were at this point that the seagulls reached uh, brandon smith of course hooker of the hooker of the season and then damien cook and and api i wouldn't be too far behind uh him uh mm. and and five eighth i mean yes kieran foran did do a really good job this season and yes does has a sort of has his number in terms of um, how to how to get a really good game out of him, and he didn't get hurt all that much. Played a lot of football, all things considered. But I don't think you, um, I don't think that's anything that you bet on, um, especially as he gets older. You know, all good football teams, all, all good companies, really are, are risk averse, and they they bet on surety. Um, and I, I don't think anybody is betting on Kieran Ford playing as many games as he did this season. So you you got to sort that out somehow too. Uh, and I've got absolutely no idea how to do that, but. Um, that's not my problem. <laughs> and look, I, I think overall, you just can't be, if you're a Seagulls fan, you can't be too high or too low on how this season worked out. Because as I said, a lot went right. Um, you, you did a lot right as well, but a, a lot went right for you, i.e. injuries, i.e. young guys playing out of their skin. 
Um, but but don't get too low either, because you know there there is a lot to be positive about here. As I said, the young forwards that emerged this season, we saw more of Schuster and, and Alakawatu and Aloya didn't play much football, but he, he's a good player. Um, so the, the, there's plenty to be excited about uh, on the peninsula for next season, but there's there's a lot of questions that need to be answered before the season begins. And given just how big some of those questions are, i.e. five eighth, i.e. hooker, I, I don't know how repeatable this sort of form is next season. Uh, who, um, I mean, obviously, I think the obvious choice for a, a standout player for them is is Tom Trevojevic. Do you, uh, do you have any other players that really, really caught your eye apart from Tommy Turbo? Uh, well, we, we sort of joked about him, but I think Ola Kawatu, um, I, I really think that he might be underrated at this point. I, I, I keep looking for him in the headlines each week. Um, you know, he, he seems to get better almost each... In fact, some, t- some games you see him getting better in the game. Um and I, I just never, maybe it's because they can't spill his name, but I just never see his name really appearing on, uh, you know, social media or in the headlines or anything. like. I think he, I could think he could be a genuine state of origin bolter next season. He, he really impressed me this year. Yeah, and it sounds like you got a firm agreement there from Friendy. Friendy, what is it about Olo Kawatu that you're really digging? Oh, his sheer size. I mean, have a look at the guy. He's <laughs> everything you want in a back rower. Um, big, tall, rangy, strong. Like, imagine that running at you and you're a half on the line. Yuck. No thanks. Um, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's seriously, if, if he, all he needs to do, in from my point of view, is just do a little bit more of that grunt work, um, which I think he's starting to, but coming out of their own end and things like that, because there's no doubt, um, I think he um, and from the Bunnies, uh, Keon Kalamatangi, I think those two are the two next really good yep. um, forwards coming through or back rowers coming through. And, yeah, I think if he can do a little bit more of that tough stuff, um, the, the brilliance is certainly there and, and just the size of him, wow. So he's got a bit of David Fafita about him, hasn't he? There's, there's the footwork and strength and, and a bit of, like, leg speed. And, and the highlights reel is maybe not as impressive as Fafita's, but he's certainly uh, on he's that end of things. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's up for debate. I'm I'm sure, but I think you'd have a lot of agreement with people um, from people. <laughs> I mean, and uh, but there are there are the other kind of back rowers as well. The Boyd Cordner kind of back rower. The I mean, one of the more impressive players on Saturday I thought was Kurt Capewell. Um, taking yep. some really tough runs out of out of that out of his own end uh, stuff that doesn't really get noticed. Everyone notices Kikau, um, but they don't notice the Liam Martins and Kurt Capels of the world who do those tough runs. If Olakawatu can combine that, he could be anything. Kieran, what's um? I mean, I, I'm sure like like me, you're as shocked as anybody that the Seagulls got themselves into the top four. Would you consider that a that, that's almost certainly a, a happy place for them considering where they've come from. Uh, for sure, yeah. Um, I think we got asked halfway through the season and it was only after Turbo really started to turn around the form of the entire team. He just made everyone a better player that Miles and I had a punt on on the Seagulls making, I, th- I believe it was the top eight, and we both kind of hesitated to say that they would. Um, so, yeah, they far super, uh, superseded their um, anyone's expectations, I think, just about after their start to the season. And uh, I am a little on the same uh, wavelength as Miles as well about the they were so high this season after starting so slow. I don't know if they can um, 
go go again next season like that with uh, and rely so heavily on turbo and then just scoring so many points in games um it'll be a it, they could come crashing back down to earth next season i think to the point that you think they might miss the eight no i think that they'll make the eight but i yeah top four not again miles is that is that a sentiment you share Look, if you're asking me to, to, to make a better, I think they will probably miss the top four next season because I don't think uh, I see the Roosters um, having as, as ordinary a season as they did this year. <laughs> they finished in fifth, so, you know, call that ordinary if you want. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't... Uh, m- what my mind can't get around is how, how much went right for the team this year. And it seems like we'll be paying that all back next season. And maybe we won't, but I would... If you're forcing me to pick right now, I'd say fifth or sixth is more likely. What do you think, Randy? Yeah, I, I think potentially they can they can repeat it for sure with someone like Tom. If he can continue that form, then yeah. And, and I think the forward pack is definitely good enough. Um, the two back rowers we've spoken about, Olakuatu and Schuster, is basically the complete opposite. He's all finesse, and I think Des is looking at those two in the same sort of way he used to try and use. Obviously, Watmo was a little bit smaller, but Watmo and Glenn Stewart, you had mm-hmm. one who, big, tough line runner, and then uh, the silky smooth sort of almost a second 5'8 sort of thing. So I think the the building blocks are certainly there, and you can never write off Tom or, or DCE. or Yeah, th- there's enough there. I can't see why they couldn't repeat it. Interesting. I um, a question without notice for you all. We have spoken about best seasons we've ever seen before, and we, at the time we all we all spoke glowingly about Tommy Turbo. We also talked about Jared Hayne, oh nine and Thurston fifteen and and a bunch of other people. Now that the now that the now that their season is finished, is he is it the best you've seen, Kieran? Is it is that is that or, or, um, or to someone in front of him, because it, it seems to me like the best teams were able to shut him down a bit. Yeah, there's actually, um, I believe it was on uh, Hello Sports podcast, they said that Manly didn't be a top three team all season. Tom was there for all of those games, or at least played at least one of the, in once against the top three teams. Um, but yeah, I don't have it as the best season ever. I have it as the best regular season ever by quite some way. Well, at least definitely first. Uh, I wouldn't get into a, a, an argument about whether anyone was better. I don't think you really can, um, in my opinion anyway. Um, but I, I have it between either. Well, I, I think the crowning glory for Thurston is the fact that he did it with the Cowboys. Um, they won the grand final that year. I think if Hain had won the grand final, I'd give it to Hain, but I have to give it to Thurston in 2015. I'm going to acknowledge my bias, and I'm sure you will too, Kieran, that we are both Cowboys fans. So Thurston jumps yeah. to the head of the queue there. Um, Friendy, uh, you're a Knights man. Does, does, is there a John's year that, that takes him above Turbo, or is, or is Turbo the best? Come on, Bo. Of course there's a John's year. There's, <laughs> there's many. There's many. Matthew um, John's, of course. Yeah, I, I think uh, 2000, Andrew John's. I was only 10, but from what I remember... Um, yeah, he basically dominated the whole year. He won the Dally M, similar to, um, similar to Tom in the way that he only played, I think, sixteen games and polled thirty-two votes or so- something very similar. Um, and that was against the great Broncos teams of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's that's for me. Um, I do agree. Thurston's year was sensational though as well. Um, I think yeah, when you're right up there in terms of premiership success as well, which 
Thurston managed to achieve. Um, Joey didn't quite. He did the next year. So maybe Thurston is on top. But I'd probably have those two in front of uh, Tom's year and, and potentially Jared Hayne maybe as well. What do you think, Miles? Look, I, um, I, I hesitate to say Trevojevic because A, he didn't play every game or or um, really didn't go close to playing every game. Um, and his team also didn't make the grand final, let alone win it. So... Um, I would probably, you know, uh, it was without notice, as you said, and I love to drill into these these questions when I get asked them, but off the top of my head, I'd say Thurston 15. It is worth mentioning, though, and as, as Kieran says, that regular season form was incredible. In 15 games, he polled 36 Dallium votes, wasn't it? Which is an average of 2.4 a game. That is like that is ludic- that is ludicrous numbers. Like just just absolutely insane stuff. So, uh, congratulations to Turbo and and what a lovely springboard into the uh, Dally M's, which happened last night our time. We're recording Tuesday evening. Uh, T- Turbo, of course, did take home the Dally M. He won it fairly clearly from Nathan Cleary in the end uh, with. Guys like Cody Walker and and uh, DCE and Tedesco also somewhat in the conversation. Um, I guess does that even matter? Do the Dally M's matter anymore, guys? Are we excited about the Dally M's and the fact that it was held over two weeks, Friendy? Is is this something that you even like? It, does it matter anymore? This is probably the first time I've flicked channels, and I flick channels to the block. Um, so I was, yeah, I was not all that interested to be honest. I, I do love the big award and I s- certainly still have respect for the player of the year. Um, I, I think the voting might be a bit off. I heard Brett Finch talk about it. He had sort of this idea, but I've sort of tweaked it a little bit. I would have just all the panel or so whoever your panel is at the start of the year, whether it's 10 people or, or 12 people or whatever that may be, all the judges across uh, the competition that, Instead of voting every week for every game, just go in a room at the end of the year, give you three two ones, and whoever has the most, that's it. It's the three two ones. Everyone this year would have said Tom, then probably Nathan Cleary and Cody Walker anyway. So you get the correct top three in that instance. Anyway, I, I, that's the way I'd do it. I'd, and more importantly, I'd do that for the positions as well because there were some guys that nominated, Caelan Ponger included. How was he nominated for fullback of the year? Is It's just beyond me. Um, that's just a name thing. And whenever we win, Newcastle win, he gets the points. But I, I don't think he should have been in the top four or five fullbacks of the year. Um, I think the system's a bit flawed and they should just... Yeah, just vote on basically the MVP at the end of the year, more how basketball sort of does it. Well, that's interesting because the I think the the upside of having it as a weekly thing uh, is that, you know, you don't forget those round three amazing performances or whatever it is. What you're yep. sort of suggesting is you get the bigger picture and the bigger picture would have revealed Trevojevic yeah. winning, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, also, the problem is as well, in teams like the Storm, like uh, uh, Jerome Hughes didn't finish in the top five this year. I, I would argue with anyone that he was in the top five players of the competition mm-hmm. this year. So the reason he doesn't get as many points is because a Brandon Smith, a Cameron Munster, a Ryan Pappenhausen, a Nico Hines, he's fighting for all votes against all those guys. It's sort of how Slater, Cronk and Smith didn't win every year. And I think one of them probably could have. So Mm. um, then you do get guys like Andrew Johns who carried his team and basically got votes every week, same as Tom. 
Um, I think it's a much there's less variables if you just put them all in a room at the end of the year and go right oh who was the best give us your three two one and and that's it. Very interesting, Miles. What do you? Well, first of all, do you care about the Dally M's? And secondly, do you uh, do you have a system that could be better? Do you like Friendy's version? Uh, I do like Friendy's version. I like um, many other versions. I don't like the version that we have right now. Um, and I, I think um, I, I think there's a reason for everything. And I think that uh, the reason that they've um, had the Dallium over two two nights this uh, year is because people care less and less. Um, but also, I, I think that we we sort of hesitate to move away from tradition because uh, and while while tradition should be celebrated, it, it I think it's it's about celebrating the right traditions. And I don't think that um, you know moving away from this Dallium um, format to another or hell even replacing the Dallium awards with something new and revamped would would hurt the game at all. In fact, I think it would make it better. Uh, I think it's one of those quote-unquote traditions which uh, is is fine with going by the wayside. Not, not to mention the fact that a lot of traditional things can hold traditional value but still evolve with the times. Uh, I don't think I don't see any reason to scrap the Dally M's, but maybe just tweak it, improve it, make it better, make yeah. it more modern. Um, yeah, I, I think of Test Cricket... Um, and there are ways that test cricket needs to stay a certain way to hold that tradition and hold its value. But at a certain point, the game needs to move with the times as well. So we don't just have Australia and England playing against each other. You have Australia, England, India, Afghanistan, West Indies, etc. You have women's tests now. You know, like, move with the times. And, of course, there are rules and overrates and things like that that come into play as well to make it more modern and easier for the audience. Dalians could do the same thing. Kieran, uh, you wrote the question. I assume you don't find the Dalliums very relevant. Do you like um, Friendy's idea of, of updating things? Uh, yes, I do, although I, I wouldn't update it to how the Cowboys do their player of the year when Cohen Hess is winning. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's losing its relevance quite quickly, and uh, whilst I don't have social media anymore, I, I know the average punter doesn't believe it's always an accurate, or very often believe it's an, uh, an accurate resemblance of who the best player is anymore. Maybe that's not always fair every year. They do get it right sometimes, but I think as Friendy and Miles and all of us have said that the voting system is flawed and it's voted by too um, wide a field of former players. I think with all due respect, I don't believe they're all deserving of their place for what I do believe is still a prestigious award. Um, Kickout wasn't even in the, in the top two second rowers this season for mine and, and yet he was deemed so. I've, I mean, I've got, I could rattle off about four or five, six names that I think were ahead of him. Papali'i, Capewell, Tupanua, Crichton, Olukawatu even, I, yeah, it definitely needs to change. I quite like um, Friend's idea. Uh, I think you just have a do do that at the end of the season, but you also have maybe five, maximum ten players do it. I, I don't know how many players vote at the moment uh, during the games, but I, I think there's way too many. I won't name names out of respect, but, um, yeah, it's it needs to change. I think, I think you guys are right, but at the end of the day... I think the Dally Gems kind of got it right this year. I mean, realistically, the fullback of the year was Trevojevic. He was also the best player of the year. I don't think there's much argument about that. The halfback of the year was Nathan Cleary. 
5'8 with Cody Walker. The front rowers were Fisher Harris and Payne Haas. The hooker was actually probably fairly tightly contested. Brandon Smith's as good a choice as anybody. The centers, Burton and Olam, it's hard to argue with those choices. They got at least one of the wingers right. The other one had a record point scoring season, so... You know, that's not crazy to give to Ruben Garrick. I think the only real on-the-nose choice was probably Kikau in the second row. Um, the rest of them, I thought, were pretty good choices, uh, including Rookie of the Year with Sam Walker. Um, even the, even the, the, the piss-away awards, like the try of the year and stuff, was pretty good. <laughs> um, so, like, while while I agree that with Friendy that it, it, it certainly could improve and, and, and maybe having that holistic voting uh, process at the end could be could be beneficial, but I, I think honestly, like like Miles, for example, do you of the Dally M's that you can remember this year? Um, is there anything that stands out to you as a, as a glaring problem? You, you guys have already touched on a few of them, but um, how Bradman Best uh, got nominated for Center of the Year, I will never know. Yeah, well, again, that might be just a, a name thing, right? Um, yeah, Frenda, you pay you pay close attention to the Knights. I mean, Bradman Best probably was not in the top five centers this year. No, I wouldn't have thought so. He he missed a good chunk of games. Probably missed ten or twelve games. So, again, um, I, I guess to be fair, they're watching our other center in Kurt Mann. So Bradman probably does look like Bradman. <laughs> <laughs> He's always the best center on the field in red and blue colors. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, apart from apart from that, uh, and maybe the Kikau one, but like, even Kikau's not... He's a top 10 second rower, isn't he? He's, he'd be there or thereabouts. That's not that crazy, but the, the WN's got it mostly right, didn't they? Yeah, I think they, they certainly got it uh, mostly right. I, I think the top three players this year would have been the same with the system I was talking about anyway. So um, it might be much to a muchness. I just think uh, maybe, yes, just the way, I'm not sure, maybe it worked out correctly this year, but I'm not sure positions should be, uh, the positional awards should be done just purely on who got the mess, the most votes from that like position. So you saw Luke Brooks the other year got halfback of the year. I mean, yeah, I- I'm not sure in any season of NRL on any planet Luke Brooks should ever be halfback of the year. Miles Stedman as the chairman of the Luke Brooks fan club um, <laughs> on on Messenger, uh, what say you about that slight against your idol? <laughs> My idol. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I thought that was certainly the best season of his career, but um, yeah, I, I don't think I'd have gone crowning him uh, halfback of the year. Hell, I think he could even just do with a half of the year award, couldn't you? Yeah, back of the year, and half then, of the gosh, year. We, yeah, we, we. And this is my. This is a problem that I have across many sports: is that we just hand out way too many awards. I mean, it's it, it's great that we try to recognise uh, through officialdom as much as we can and as many players as we can. But really, like, who, who the hell in in ten years' time is going to remember try the year or <laughs> or centre of the year from twenty twenty one? Like, it just doesn't matter. Just just award the best few players in the league that really deserved it, that really stood out from the rest, and be done with it. I'll have you know that was the Yui try of the year, just to be clear. <laughs> 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 Tom Trevojevic. Um, I think, I think 
I think you guys are right that the format does definitely need to change. I've thought that for a while. I don't have a problem with this year's Dally M's because they got the the correct outcome. I think last year's was the one that really set us all back. It was where Jack White and beat Nathan Cleary. That was absurd. Like Jack White had a good year, but he was not the best player that year. No one in the Daniel Friend method would have put three votes Jack White, or not many would have anyway. Uh, so I think I think maybe we've got like a little bit of a hangover from previous seasons where we disagreed. Like you say, Friendy, halfback of the year, Luke Brooks a few years ago. Um, yeah, I think I think the Daly M certainly could use improving, but all in all, um, a pretty good result on the night just gone. For halftime this week, we have something a little bit different. We've got in touch with uh, one of the very loyal listeners of this show, friend of the podcast, Lawrence Leggy, good friend of Friendies. And that's a bit of a mouthful for a sentence, isn't it? And he's a massive Penrith Panthers fan. Now, for Panthers fans, they've been in the competition more than 50 years now, and just the two premierships, 1991 and 2003. And it has been a little bit of a drought for the Panthers. And they came so close last year, uh, only to falter in the first half. So we've got Lawrence on to talk about what it means to him and his family to to be in the grand final and also to give us some predictions. Take away, Lawrence. Hey, Friendy, and hey, boys. Thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for the pod. It gives me something to listen to while I'm on the road at work, and, yeah, I've really enjoyed it this year. Uh, I'm very excited and very nervous. At, uh, I'd say, like, I feel like Penrith aren't far away from putting a really good game together. Um, their defence has been excellent all year, but there, I thought there were some really good signs in attack last week against the Storm, so quietly confident, I would say, at this stage. A grand final win would mean a lot. Probably, probably more than I'd like to admit, to be honest. Uh, not just for me, but like the whole extended family. We all support Penrith. I think uh, there is one para supporter, but otherwise everyone else goes for Penrith. Like wife, in-laws, cousins, mum and dad, everyone. So, yeah, there's loads of us. I have a six-year-old son who is a mad Penrith supporter already. Um, so he's really excited and he can't wait. Uh, it's a bit of history repeating, potentially, because I was about his age when Penrith lost in 90 and then won in 91. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a close and low-scoring game with the way Penrith have been defending and how the last South and Penrith game went. So I'm sort of thinking the score will be 16-12 to Penrith and I think Isaiah Yeo will be recognised for what he does for the team and, and win the Clive Churchill. Um, if he doesn't get it, uh, like I could see Cameron Murray um, winning it in a losing team like uh, Brad Clyde did in 91. Uh, like I just think Cameron Murray's an absolute gun and he's the one who scares me the most in the south side. Um, so, yeah, very, very excited. Can't wait and bring on Sunday. Guys, for the first time since 2015, we have a grand final in the NRL that does not feature the Storm and the Roosters. And the last time we had that, of course, was the Cowboys and Broncos. And that gave us one of the great (laughs) grand finals in the modern era. Uh, I'm saying that as a Cowboys fan, but I think even Broncos fans would agree that it was a fantastic contest. So very much looking forward to the Rabbitohs and the Panthers. Um, in terms of team changes, there, there really isn't much to talk about. The Rabbitohs are one to 17, uh, through, uh, uh, the whole final series thus far. The Panthers have made a change. I believe that um, Tavita Pangai Jr. has an injury of sorts, but there is 
a rumor going around that he actually fell on his sword, that he had a bit of a niggle and probably could have played, but he fell on his sword knowing that Spencer Linneu, a a junior with the club, probably would have missed out. Uh, so he, you know, he apparently he fell on his sword. He, a bit injured, yes, and it would have been touch and go and all that sort of thing. But that's that's the that's the word that's getting around at the moment, the late mail. So uh, if that's true, congratulations to, to Peter Pangai Jr. for uh, for an excellent piece of humanity there. Uh, and Spencer Lenny is a, a great player, so he's earned his spot in the seventeen, as far as I'm concerned. But that's the only change uh, is that. Tavita Pangai Jr. is out, and Moses Leota has been named to come into the side uh, in the starting front row position, which I think is a good in for the Panthers. Friendy, I would love to pick your brain about what's going to happen here. Like, like who? what are some of the tactics here? Because the Panthers are going to be favourites. I think it's fair to say. Uh, they knocked yep. off the best team in the comp. Uh, they, ha- they have been the best team in the comp for a couple of years now or thereabouts at least second uh it it feels like nathan's time as you said uh they've done it the tough way this season uh especially this final season they would be favorites wouldn't they yes i think they would start favorites uh that's something i'm sure wayne bennett would actually love um being the underdogs going into the grand final so i think uh i do like penrith in this game and, and i like them a lot um the funny thing about the two teams um, is they they af- actually have quite similar attacks, mm-hmm. so attacking structures as well. So the halfback and the lock basically control the middle of the field and the right-hand side of the field in uh, Cleary, Yo, and uh, Reynolds and Murray. And then their two sort of mavericks, uh, Walker and Luai, are out on the left side and they run that side of the field, which is their generally their stronger attacking side mm-hmm. and much stronger after they've linked with either the lock or the halfback first. So uh, um, it's quite funny that they both attack that way because I think they're both going to understand how to defend that side of the field as well. So uh, I think the other side of the field is actually where the game might be won. That might come up in my first try scorer a bit later. Um because I think the left sides and the right-hand side defence may just cancel each other out. So I also really like Penrith as well. Defensively, they're just outstanding. You, you've seen it not just in the finals, but all year. They're for and against um, in the against column is nearly 200 points less than the Bunnies this year. I think it's about 178 or just rounded up to 200 for effect there. Um, so... They make more meters as well. They make more kick meters. Uh, and not only do they make more kick meters uh, generally, all through Nathan, Adam Reynolds is a little bit injured as well. So I don't know if anyone noticed, but he much less kicking last week. So that sort of widens that gap, I would have thought. Um, I think there's more potential for errors and penalties in the South Pack. Guys like Burgess, uh, he's got symbols for hands. Um, Jaden Sewer, <laughs> Jai Arrow is a bit nuts, so he, he's got a penalty in him. Games like this, they're, they're the big games, they're one in um, both the big executing the big moments and also the real discipline, simple areas and getting that right. I think Penrith do that more often. And I think with Nathan Cleary, as I said, yeah, it's his time. He's the best player on the field on Sunday night, and I can see Penrith winning. And um, yeah, I, I think it'll be close for a bit, but but I do like Penrith. Yeah, I 
I landed pretty similar to you in the sense that I was I was analysing the way these two teams play and it was like, you know, fascinating. Like when we had the Rabbitohs versus Seagulls, it was like, yeah, the Rabbitohs are going to do this, whereas the Seagulls are going to be like, pass to the big kid, pass to Tom Travojevic, create space for him and the rest will happen, right? Uh, the Storm have a similar kind of strike weapon in, in Ryan Pappenhausen out the back of, of shape. These guys have Dylan Edwards and Blake Taff, which I, I think is... Um, a bit different, right? It's it's just a bit more of a safe option in Dylan Edwards and Blake Taft's a bit untested, I suppose. But apart from that, you're right. They play very, very similarly. I also picked up on the Adam Reynolds thing. I think that's going to be absolutely key. The most important groin in the NRL right now is Adam Reynolds's. <laughs> um, not Apicaris House, um, who, who, I, who I noticed went to the Dallium's stag, um, interestingly. Um, but yeah, it was... It was very hard to sort of be like, well, you know, to beat the Panthers, you have to uh, make sure you control the middle and then put pressure on Cleary. Um, okay. And to control the Rabbitohs, well, you control the middle and you put pressure on Reynolds and Reynolds injured. So that's, <laughs> you know, there's a thing there. Um, because if Cody Walker doesn't get into good ball or if Jerome Luai doesn't get into good ball, they're less effective. Uh, same goes for, you know, Kaloa Matangi and Viliama Kikau. Um, you know they're less likely to do the hard yards out of out of out of uh, territory. So I don't know. It's it's super super similar. I I think one key difference you touched on Reynolds. I think that's one. But another one is Brian Toto. He's probably a, a big differentiator in that back line. Um, I don't think the Rabbitohs have an equivalent for him. So the Rabbitohs need to deploy a very similar tactic to what they deployed against Tavoyevich, which is to kick high. And it doesn't matter if it's a spiral kick or whatever it is. What you want to do is you want to give... Uh, you want to kick to Toro, you want to kick to the danger player to, uh, you know, get them sitting under a high ball and then have three or four defenders right in front of them as they're receiving it. So they don't... They, they can't have that impact. They can't get the wind-up. They can't use the footwork. And that also takes them out of play too, um, so if, if Toro is going to get more involved after that, I would say, you know, he'll have to go looking for it, um, which he will, but at least by kicking to him with a high kick, not necessarily to challenge his height or anything like that, just purely to blunt him with his, with his yardage. I think that could go a long way. Unfortunately, Toro is a left winger. The person to do that is Adam Reynolds. And now if Adam Reynolds groin doesn't come up, that, that, plan almost certainly doesn't happen so I, I see something there i agree with you friendly i think the panthers will win it uh i've got them winning it by about 10 um the rabbits will make a good account of themselves but i think the panthers will get it done miles what do you say well i think that uh i've got the panthers by four for the record um i always like to tip them not nice tight margin unless i'm trying to go for shock value or something like that but um uh, of course, I won't dish too heavily on the game because you guys are so knowledgeable about it and I'm, I'm not particularly about the ins and outs of the, the football. But, um, look, uh, as good as he's been, Blake Tuff does worry me a little bit in that this is, what, game nine, if that. Um, mm. And Penrith have already had one good look at him this final series. And he, he, let's be honest, he wasn't he was good, but he wasn't great in, in, um, in the first week of the finals. And that's sort of been the book on him thus far. I mean, he's the the, the team around him has, has made him probably look a little bit better. Um, so you just never know when it's 
going to snap for him or if, you know, he, he gets spooked or, or something like that. And then you add into that the potential that he might be also um, asked to uh, take up kicking duties. And it just, um, you know, if, if there's anything to worry about for the Rabbitohs, for either team here, really, because they're such good teams, but if there's anything to worry about, it's, I think, it is Blake tough up to it. And I'm certainly right for looking stupid here, but... Uh, and I'm, not, I'm also not saying that he's not. I'm just saying that we've seen it before, especially with rookies. There, there could be a moment where they just they look up and they're like, "Holy shit!" There's fifty thousand people in the stadium, and um, the 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 freaking entire season is on the line, and I'm a little bit scared. And that, that's you know, that's that that would be fair enough. So I um I, I just you know what, if anything, I hope it doesn't happen, but um I, I do worry a little bit about that much responsibility on a, a player with that little experience. I certainly wouldn't consider that a slight. Even the great Darren Lockyer, friendy, you'd be old enough to remember this. Uh, Darren Lockyer, Test Match debut, 1998. Yeah. Um, it was an end of day test and it was an absolute shocker. It was like, how could this kid ever come back from this? And then- Justin even- Hodges. Yeah, Justin Hodges in oh. Origin, of course. Oh. <laughs> became uh, became arguably Queensland's second greatest centre of the last twenty years. Um, after that, you know, so it's uh, really it, um, yeah. really quickly on Blake Tuff. I heard a great stat the other day. So, what to put in perspective? I guess it's more about Benji. But what Benji's doing this week would be like Blake Tuff playing a grand final in twenty thirty seven. <laughs> how insane is that love that yeah. yeah so well done Benji I guess yeah well well, done, yeah exactly uh, I, I like that you've used accurate mathematics there because the, the <laughs> amount of times that I've heard people say that Benji Marshall's last grand final was 17 years ago is really annoying me because they're wrong it was 16 <laughs> years ago yeah. Uh, even I think it was Buzz Rothfield's like you know I, I don't watch NRL 360 but it came up on Facebook or something and he was talking about the 1987 grand final Wayne Bennett first coached yada yada and uh, and he's like yep I was there it was 35 years ago and I'm like no prick no it was not it was 34 years ago you are an idiot um I was just pulling the curtain back on his life, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a maths nerd. Like, it, like, and things like that just really throw me out. Like, okay, here's here's one for you. Kieran will already know this story. Um, his brother Owen. I work with Owen, and Owen's watch is five <laughs> minutes slow. I don't know why he just he will not adjust it. He will not, and he's now figured out. He, he now knows that it's five minutes slow and he's figured out that it annoys me. So sometimes I will get like, say for example, right now, the time is 7.14. If Owen was to text me right now, I promise you the text would say 7.09 now. Just, <laughs> just to fuck with me. Uh, so he's, uh, he's pretty, pretty clever. Owen. he, he really guessed to me. Um, sometimes I'm seeing him tomorrow at seven 30 in the morning, but as he would call it seven 25, um, <laughs> Kieran, uh, you heard a few theories about what could happen here with the, with the similar styles of the team and the inexperience of the Rabbitohs custodian. How do you see this game going? 
Uh, yeah, I'll probably touch on Miles's um, point first as well. I think Blake Taff. I think he. I read um, today. He's the most inexperienced grand finalist ever. Like that could be wrong, but it was wow. something very, yeah, very close to that. Um, I'm a little worried about him at the back as well. I know um, I'm a, I'm a long distance runner. I know going by myself, I'm fine. But if I had uh, 16 other guys relying on me, uh, I don't know how I would handle my nerves. I think I would not crumble um i think the fact i think someone really needs to get around tough this week benji marshall is a, a great player instill belief in him and he's got wayne bennett the the master coach um but yeah i think they're going to need to support tough a little bit he's probably got a great mindset but i think as miles said when you look around the stadium fifty thousand people there it could be very overwhelming for him and then i i have to wonder how good a, a communicator he is at the back um is still very inexperienced and under fatigue. I don't know how he's going to go. And then you've got Coruscant, who loves going up through the ruck. Um, he could split the, the Rabbitohs defensive line um, straight up the middle quite a few times if he doesn't have his numbers right. Um, so that worries me a little bit. Um, and then I think Friendy was touching on uh, execution of the Panthers. Um, whilst they only scored 10 points last week, uh, they were behind in almost every stat department from time and possession to running meters, but they executed when they got the chances. So I really think the Rabbitohs need to limit their opportunities because I think when the Panthers get the ball uh, in good field position, they've got enough plays to put points on. Um, and then that that also goes back to to, to limiting the, the, the yardage that the Panthers get um, and getting easy space uh, or easy yardage up the field. As you said, you want to put high balls up to, to To'o. Um, he's also... Uh, he has been prone to the to uh, a drop ball, and I know it was early on the tackle uh, count um, against the Storm. But uh, Brandon Smith kicked a 20-40 down his side, the first ever in the NRL. And then Jerome Hughes tried a 40-20 that went out on the full, but that was also on To'o's side, where To'o was way up. Um, so if if uh, the most important groin in the game um, is up to it, I think um, I think uh, yeah, Reynolds is going to test out To'o all game. So that'll be quite interesting. And then I I, I think. Um, the thing that you said, Bo, is is what most stood out to me. Uh, it's a, a battle of the middles and then the, the halves kicking game, um, which really makes me interested to see how the bench rotation goes because last time um, the bunny started with Nichols and Totola, who are not really known as premier front rows in the game. I think they really need to stand tall, and I think Leota and Fisher-Harris are going to be a little bit hurt from how they went last time against the Bunnies. Um, they the, the Bunnies won the middle um, uh, battle, uh, and I think that the Fisher-Harris and Leota are going to be out for revenge this time, um, or at least want to put in a, a much better performance than last time, and then um, the bench, well, the Bunnies do have Jai Arrow and, and Tom Burgess coming off that bench. But, yeah, I, I think whoever gets a roll on first, those first 10, 20 minutes are going to be so interesting. I, I think if anyone can get a two-try lead, I, I honestly think that that's going to be um, pretty – I think it's going to be unassailable, if I'm honest. I think if anyone gets out to a, a, even a 10-nil lead, I, I'm not going to give them really any chance to get back into it. Um, and yeah, whilst the Panthers will be stoked with their pre- preliminary final win, their discipline last week – um, was a little bit off. It needs to be tighter this week. Uh, they came up with 12 errors and gave away four penalties plus six six agains against the Storm. Um, whilst they were really good at, at turning away the Storm's attack, um, it wasn't at its best, and uh, I don't think that they can afford to, to give that um, much uh, easy possession and, and just give away penalties that often that will give um, the Bunnies easy field possession position um, to them in a grand final. Uh, I just have one last stat to read out. The Panthers have conceded just 28 points this final series compared to the, the 49 points they conceded 
over weeks one and three over two games last year. So I think that really points to how much of a, a better side defensively they are this year. So for that reason, I've got the Panthers winning by two. That's right. I'd, I'd forgotten about that. In week one of the finals last year, I, wasn't it the Roosters that ran out to like, uh, no way, it was 10 nil, and then the Panthers well, hit. Not 18 maybe or 12. Yeah, I, I don't know. But it was like the Panthers then ran away with it and then mm. the Roosters came back into it but for a Cleary field goal. Um, yeah, like they've conceded that in one game uh, last year and in three games this year. So that's something. But uh, I... Uh, so you're you're also tipping the Panthers to, to get this done then, I suppose. I Sorry, I missed that one. Uh, yeah, sorry. I it, To be honest, if, if Adam Reynolds' groin wasn't... Um like if it was, if he wasn't under an injury cloud, I, I think I would actually say the Rabbitohs, um, just with Wayne Bennett as well. But because we don't know what's going on there, and and the Panthers' defense has just been that resolute, I've got the Panthers by two. Mm. Do it, uh, Miles. You're a you're very wary of Wayne Bennett, as you mentioned before week one of the finals this year. Are you wary again that Wayne might have something up his sleeve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I say the Panthers by four, but. Rabbitohs could very easily win. There's absolutely no certainty in this game whatsoever. Yeah, it feels kind of like that, doesn't it, Friendy? Like that, the Panthers should be the favourites, and I think all of us are tipping on that basis, and most of us tipped the Storm on the same basis last week. Um, but yeah, like, can you ever really bet against a guy like Wayne Bennett? No, it's very hard to bet against. Yeah, someone like Wayne, especially with his grand final record, he, he's what won six and only lost one. So. Um, and that was in Golden Point to a Jonathan Thurston-led side, so you can almost excuse him for that one. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a really close game. I've got Penrith 22-14, so I've got them by eight. Um, and, yeah, in terms of first try, which I know we're going to get into, and mm-hmm. Clive Churchill as well, my first try, um, I've got Kurt Capewell. I think uh, they might actually go right, the Panthers, and... Yeah, I think a bit of footwork from Capewell up against Cody Walker, who I think in big games, um, I think we saw it in Origin, I think he gets a little bit nervous or he gets a little bit too hyped up. I'm not sure which one it is, but I think Cody gets the eyes rolling a little bit um, and I think Kurt Capewell might slide through. He was their only try scorer against the Eels as well of a, of a short grubber from Cleary. So nice shout. Uh, first try scorer for you, Kieran. Uh, I'm going with Stephen Crichton. I think his uh, athleticism, I don't know if it'll be off a kick or a, a cutout pass or and a step from him or what it'll be, but I think uh, Stephen Crichton and I've got Panthers winning 20 points to 18. Um, and should I say Clive Churchill? We'll come to that in a moment, I reckon. So, um, so Stephen Crichton, to repeat the dose, he was the first try scorer against the Storm on the right wing there. Uh, do, do you reckon they'd be bold enough to pull out the Nathan Cleary jumps into dummy half, one metre out, cross kick? <laughs> I don't think the Rabbitohs would be silly enough to switch off if they see Cleary going into dummy half again. Well, he'll be up against Alex Johnston, so we'll see how he goes. That's who I've got for first try scorer. I just figure, look, he, he won the Dally M, Ken Irvine medal for uh, top try scorer of the year, so he's as good a bet as anybody. Uh, not that we bet here, of course, gamble responsibly if you do. Miles, who's your first try scorer? Um, I reckon I'll play it relatively safe and go with Brian Toe. Yeah, like similar kind of theory, isn't it? That those hot left sides. Uh, by the way, I, I said Panthers by 10, so I'm going to go with uh, 26-16. Uh, Miles, do you think it'd be a low-scoring one or a high-scoring one? 
Oh, I hate picking scores because I, I, I don't know. I just it, my brain doesn't work. That I'll say four zero, four zero Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I scored by Brian too. I like it, and, and a misconversion from Cleary because he's forced to take it where he's meant to. Um, <laughs> and let's talk about Clyde Churchill, which is of course uh, the award given by Joyce Churchill uh, to the player of the grand final. We'll go in reverse order this time. Miles, who is your Clive Churchill medalist? Do you think? Uh, well, look, I've got the uh, I've got the Panthers winning. I, I hate to hedge my bet, but uh, I've, I've got the Panthers winning um, and Nathan Cleary winning the the Clive Churchill medal. But I think if the Rabbitohs win, uh, I'll sneak in a Cody Walker prediction as well. Mm, interesting. Uh, it, so you don't want to go with uh, someone? Actually, it's probably wise not to go with someone getting it from a losing team uh, because in in the last decade, it's only happened against Roosters teams where Roosters teams have won the grand final and someone from the other team wins it in Delhi Cherry Evans and Jack Whiten. So niche little stat there for you. Um, Kieran, who's your Clive Churchill medal winner? Uh, touching on from, I, I don't know how Blake Taff will go at the back with getting his numbers right. And the fact that Appy Corso absolutely tore the roost or the storm to shreds up the middle. Um, well, he had quite a few, uh, quite convincing runs. I've got Appy Corso. Interesting. Friendy, have you gone the uh, the obvious pick? I suppose the obvious pick would be Cleary. Um, or have you gone with someone a bit different? Yes, of course I've gone the obvious choice. My boy Nathan, <laughs> he's going to be rocking that big gold medal all across TikTok on Sunday night. So, um, yeah, Nathan Cleary for me. Uh, I, too, have gone with the obvious choice, Kurt Mann, uh, for a Clive <laughs> Churchill medal. <laughs> no, actually, I, I, um, I'm, a, I'm a natural contrarian. Me and Miles are quite similar in that way. Um, I, I've gone with Isaiah Yeo. I think that he's Good just choice. just like Coruscant, just like Cleary, just like Luai, just like a whole bunch of those players, Fisher-Harris, etc. If the Panthers are to win it, Isaiah Yeo will have a 7 out of 10 game minimum minimum but it's probably going to be more like an eight or a nine and if he scores a try or sets one up or makes 40 tackles or 150 meters or something like that which he's likely to do um then i think he'll be a good choice uh let's go to golden point which is of course the bold predictions now we've we've made a few little predictions there about how the game's going to go I've gone with a heart pick, I think. So uh, we mentioned earlier that Benji might play on. I think that was you, Miles, in your in your wild card yeah. that he might play on. Uh, that's you know that's sort of thrown a little bit of a spanner in my works a little bit because I've gone with Benji Marshall will have a direct try involvement. I, I sort of picked him because you know he'll be retiring or something like that, but. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to go with he'll have a direct try involvement, at least one. So that's either a try or an official try assist. Now, coming off the bench, that's I think that counts as a bold prediction. So I'm going to go with that. Friendy, what's your bold prediction for the grand final? Uh, my bold will be Nathan Cleary to score 10 points or more. Ooh. What so was I your... Yeah, 10 out of 22, did you say? Yeah, so I think he'll kick three goals and score a try. Ah, that'll be a nice little day out. And he'll miss one, obviously, as well. That'll be the Brian <laughs> yeah. Toto try that we talked about um, <laughs> over in the corner. Miles, what's your ball prediction? Well, uh, everyone, while everyone is doubting um, Reynolds' groin and, and while I've picked the Panthers to win, um, I think that Reynolds will do the kicking duties and I think that he will kick a sideline conversion um, and we're going to pin that to uh, outside the, the... Is it the five-minute line or ten-minute line? Um, ten, I think, yeah. Yeah, the tram lines, and uh, 
and a uh, a field goal, and one of them will win the game for the Rabbitohs. Hmm. Ooh, one or the other. So hedging again. Okay, I like it. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, Kieran, what's your bold prediction? So I've said the the Panthers are going to win twenty points to eighteen. I don't think that there'll be any more than thirty eight points scored. Um, so thirty eight or less, and Penrith win by six or less, and there will be at least one field goal attempt at some stage. Okay, so even if this if the score is like. 18-14, someone's just going to, like, Greg Inglis it from behind, <laughs> just have a shot. Uh, I-, I like it. All right, sounds good. Time for shout-outs, guys. I've gone with uh, the very first recipient of the Clive Churchill Medal back in 1986. This was a medal that was created after the passing of the first immortal, Clive Churchill. And in the 1986 grand final between the Eels and the Bulldogs, that went to Peter Sterling. And I think it's fitting that... Uh, he we, we, we spoke about Clive Churchill's just then. Uh, he was the first to receive it, and he's retiring from the commentary box. This will be his final game that he calls, I believe, unless he has some international... I don't think it's any international football. So, uh, yeah, he's he's retiring after this game. I, I'm very sad to see it. So, shout out to uh, Nostril Damas, as they used to call him, because, <laughs> because of his ability to... Uh, call a game and predict a game and also his huge nose. So Nostril Damas, Peter, Peter Sterling, uh, shout out to you. Uh, I've got a shout out to Alex Volkanovsky, defended his featherweight belt, actually former rugby league player, defended his uh, featherweight belt in the UFC on the weekend, uh, Australian. So yeah, shout out to him. Yeah. Shout out for me is Nathan Cleary, who I've banged on about for the last however long. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners, you won't hear any more of it except for this one. Go Nathan, go the Panthers. <laughs> So my shout-out goes to uh, the head coach of the University of Arkansas football team, Sam Pittman. Now, I want to do a quick stay with me, as I always say. Um, <laughs> I want to do a quick straw poll. How, how long do you guys think is a, a reasonable amount of time to spend as an assistant coach? A reasonable time? Yeah. Uh, like a year? <laughs> Interesting. Four, four years as an apprenticeship in any trade, so four years. All right. uh, I was going to say three yeah, I, th- I think well, about four or five is good. Well, Sam Pittman has spent, well, before he got this job last season, he spent 40 years as an assistant coach. Wow. Um, before he was hired by this uh, this uh, down-on-its-luck sort of poverty-riddled school. And and ever since then, he's he's um, been taking it to, to great places. And he's, uh, scored, uh, his team scored two big upsets so far this se- in this young season. And they've, they've probably got their... Probably one of the biggest games in Arkansas history this week against uh, the University of Georgia. So good luck to Sam and good luck to the Razorbacks. Would have been funny if he told him to shove it when they finally offered it to him. <laughs> <laughs> I should add uh, that's a resume that includes like well in excess of, of twenty different teams. So. Ah, okay. Of forty uh, forty years at one club. Uh, I also have an additional <laughs> shout out, by the way. Uh, shout out to Queen Elizabeth II, who I believe is coming out to uh, to. Knight Nathan Cleary after last week's prelim yes. final. Is he not friendly? Is he not? Can we get tickets? To the knighthood? <laughs> yeah, to the knighting. I don't know. Where would that even take place? Like, where oh, in my Australia? House. My house. I've got room in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Come over, Nathan. We'll get on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> A 
Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.